0: Hello and welcome to the final episode of our Premier League season preview. We've reached the end of our batch of questions and have purposefully left the biggest ones until the end, so we've got a lot of big topics to discuss today. If you've missed the first three episodes of our preview, make sure to head over to the Energy Sport podcast feed on whichever platform you get yours to catch up with what we've discussed so far. As always, I'm joined by a man who's definitely awake today as a uni induction forced him up early, making it four appearances out of four in the series. Graham Sinclair, good to have you.
1: Jack, what a week we've had. I'm really going to miss
0: you when it's all over. I'm, I'm going to miss you as well, mate. It's, it's been emotional, and it will be emotional in the, at the end of this hour where we have to say goodbye, but I'm sure I'll see you again soon. Don't worry, we'll, we'll get something sorted. Uh, making his return from Episodes 1 and 2, a man who I tried to help achieve his dream of being class rep for our year, Struan Garvey, I'm really sorry you missed out on it, mate. Do you
2: know what? I, I do appreciate you trying, though. I didn't see anybody else in the class stepping up to, to, to volunteer me as a tribute, but I appreciate the effort. I would have declined the offer, however, had it been presented to me.
0: Why would you, Why would you decline one of your uh, lifelong dreams? Why Why would you do that?
2: See, be truthful, I don't have the confidence to do it, I, I, and more more so, I think I'd probably forget within a few weeks.
0: <laughs> what that was your responsibility? <laughs> yep, I can understand that. Yeah, I don't blame you for that. And finally, making his first appearance on an energy sport podcast since the middle of June, is a man who will hopefully become more of a regular fixture in the coming season, especially seeing as he lives with me. Raph Boyd, good to have you, how are you doing?
3: Hi Yeah. how are you?
0: Not too bad mate, not too bad. Loving, loving life just now, it's all, it's all going well for us. Good, good to have you back on to discuss the big games, the big, the big football. It's
3: good to be back.
0: Fantastic. Right, I mentioned in the first in the first kind uh, of couple of minutes that the final episode of this preview as some of the biggest questions of the bunch, and I'll start the show with the biggest question, Graham Sinclair, who's winning the league this year?
1: Guys, spoiler alert! <laughs> Liverpool are retaining the Premier League this year. Lovely. Why? First of all, I have to say that because it's my team, you have to bat your own horse. Mm-hmm. It's ruined. You have to buy your horse. I have but, many horses. You like, <laughs> make a good point. Bayern Munich. Hibs no, so, <laughs> Celtic. It's not ju- I'm not just back in Liverpool because of that. First of all, look at the gap that Liverpool created between them and our teams last season. It was 17 points. That's a lot of space to make up. That's a lot of ground to make up for our teams. Liverpool struggled towards the end of the season. I think people were kind of aware of that. But you have to remember, Liverpool have really had nothing to play for since February the league was over. I know yeah. there's all these records, but even with records, it can be really hard to find the motivation. Liverpool, when they had something to play for, were miles and miles ahead of it. the next best team. I don't think the teams around them have improved enough. Chelsea had well, that's like 30 points, it feels like, to make up. That's a lot to make up. City would be the closest contender, but I think there's some just kind of like some weird problems at the city kind of like looming questions that are in Pep's future and all this kind of stuff I think can kind of distract the club I think Liverpool are the most secure team there's no questions about them they know what they are and I think that will help them retain the league title
0: it's a convincing argument it's a compelling argument both adjectives used there uh, Raf Boyd <laughs> what, what do you say to that are you back in Liverpool as well this season or are you going for someone different I'm not back in them unfortunately I'm really sorry Graham I
3: just think that Manchester City are going to take, you know, losing last year, really, personally. And they've they've already invested quite a lot of money in the squad. Uh, Liverpool, and who have you signed, like, that Greek left-back, and that's about Col- it?
1: Costa is the second-best left-back in the Premier League. Oh,
3: left. Left. <laughs> well, well, that in and of itself is pointless if you have the best left-back, isn't it? It's, ah, it's, it's a pointless investment. If are you... Scottish, you can never have enough left-backs. <laughs> <laughs> that's the strategy. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I, obviously they have an amazing team and I think it will be very close this year but I I, I think City have done enough to make up some of the ground.
0: They'll be more focused. It's, it's one apiece for the big two of our last season. Uh, Struan, are you are you going to surprise us by suggesting someone completely different or are you going with uh, one of the two aforementioned teams thus far? Uh, I am
2: with Raf on this one. I've, yeah. I've gone for Man City. Yeah, I think, okay, there's a couple of reasons. I think, I think Liverpool might struggle slightly with motivation. I think it's very different to motivate your players to win it a second time, which is always something Ferguson used to say. It was harder to win it another time. <clears throat> I think there was sort of a, not a huge fall-off from Liverpool, but as, as Graeme said, there, there wasn't really anything to play for. I, and I, I, there was just a bit of a fall-off. I think City have improved a lot. I think they will add Koulibaly to hopefully cheer up their defence. And I think with the money they've been spent, I think they will properly go for, out for the league again this season. But I think th- I think those two are probably the the easy contenders, as mentioned. I think there is a chance Chelsea could have an outside shout, really, given the the transfers that they've brought in, but I, I still think it'll be between Manchester City and Liverpool. But I think it'll be very close. I think it'll be much more similar towards the 2018-19 season, in which it could literally just come down to a few points in the last day of the season between the two.
0: I, I'm with you there. I, I do believe it's going to be a lot more uh, more of a closely run race between the two, and I think it is uh, either, either team's league to lose almost at this point. For me... At the moment, there's no clear winner. I, th- I think that Liverpool are still an exceptional team and they'll be hard-pressed to replicate what they did last year, I will say that now, but there's nothing really in that team to suggest that they couldn't go on and do it. Uh, again, it's just a team that doesn't really seem to have any weakness so much, perhaps a more assured centre-back partnership for Van Dyke, but there's still good players there in terms of Joe Gomez and uh, Joel Matip as well. Uh, as for City, I do agree they've spent well. Nathan Ake is an improvement on the, on a that, the defensive partner to Améric Laporte. And Ferran Torres is an, is an exciting young sign who I think is going to get game time. Phil Foden, we saw what a talent he was after Project Restart. And with Silva gone, he'll have more of an involved role for the whole season, you would like to think. So it's tough. It is, it is tough for me to, to call. But I think at the moment I'm with City... But I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool uh, went on to win it again. And that that's where my since opinion you, lies.
1: Since you've all went for City, let me to push back a little bit and say. Please do. I think one of the most damning things about City last year is that when they went behind in games, they never got back in them. There's Manchester City. They have some of the best players in the world, but if you look at their record for when they went a goal behind, it's abysmal. It's almost like the mentality was, "Well, we're beat." which is crazy considering mm-hmm. the, the the strength of that team. I think if you look at the players in the squad, City are a clear best team in the league, but they also were last year and they lost by 17 points. And there's a real mentality thing in that club. Maybe they're fed up with Pep. Pep's really, really kind of forced himself upon you, which is amazing at times, but if it gets too much, it can really put you off. I just think there's like a thing behind the scenes that maybe we don't know about the club's a bit up in the air and all over the place at the moment, more so than maybe we realise.
0: I, I mean, I, I'll i hardly be convinced either way, to be honest, because I don't really... I, I've not really got much of a horse in the race. I know Struan's saying that Chelsea could have an outside shout, but I don't think that's going to be the case this season. I think it is still going to be just trying to bridge that gap and close the gap to City and Liverpool this season perhaps mount more of a serious challenge next year for Chelsea. But... It's between one of the two and I'm ex- intrigued to see how the season plays out for both teams to see how they react to last season's results and how they push on for this season. Uh, so with the question of league champions out of the way, we typically come to the best of the rest and in the Premier League, that is the top four. Raf, who are you backing to secure those coveted Champions League places come the end of the season?
3: Well, I think we've, we've listed the three that are really obvious. Uh, so I think it's really who gets the fourth spot. And I think that's between United and, and Arsenal. The two main ones. Because Spurs, if Mourinho, I just don't think he's doing a good job. I don't think he's motivating the players. I don't think he's doing anything exciting. Arteta and, to an extent, Oli, are both actually changing the club for the better from what it's been the last few years. And I think this is a season where they really push forward. I mean, United could try and get like top three. I don't think it's going to happen. But I think it is between those two that who could get it.
0: I, th- I think I- I'd agree with that I think it is probably the top top th- I- I'm I want to say Chelsea get third but I think they will I-, I I'm not it's Chelsea at the end of the day there's not really any guarantee that anything's gonna happen there uh Struen, what about yourself are you are you gonna back your horse in this race or are you gonna concede once again
2: yeah uh, I- I'm the exact same as Raffin that I think the top three are quite <clears throat> straightforward I think and then it does come down between Arsenal and United at the moment I would maybe swing towards Arsenal based on some transfer business. The potential of Iowa and Party coming in I think would be massive towards that where United don't really seem to be doing much additions. But if United did manage to pull off someone like Jaden Sancho, then I think the top four, potentially even another push for a third, could be on the cards. I, th- I think it could really just come down to if whoever gets more lucky with injuries this season yes. between the two. I think they're both very... Strong. I mean, there's the chance as well that Arsenal might sacrifice the league come the end and go all out for the FA Cup because I do think yeah. they have a huge chance of winning that, similar to what um, Mourinho did a few years ago. So, mm-hmm. I think there's that to go into it as well. But I think I think those five for me would probably be the set in stone. Should be the top five.
0: Should. Graham, good. are you are you the similar mind?
1: Uh similar. Yeah, I think Chelsea will finish comfortably third. I think they'll close the gap to the top two, and the other teams won't as much. But so Chelsea will. Kind of be in no man's land, it'll be exciting to watch, but in terms of what they're actually fighting for, it might be a bit boring because I think they're kind of solidly going to be stuck in third place. I started the week with Manu in fourth, Uh, I thought they just had a better squad, but throughout this whole week, as we've mentioned in every podcast, when I've answered these questions, I've instantly thought of Arsenal players Mm -hmm. and for a lot of the positive ones. And so, I'm going to pick Arsenal to finish in the top four of the season alongside them. Get in. I just think I think Arteta's amazing. I think he's so far ahead of Solskjaer, who I actually don't think is as bad as people think. I have, I've praised all, all mm. of Solskjaer this week, but I think Arteta's got potential to be something special. He's already turned some average players into good players, like Maitland-Niles and Shaka, who I think have both excelled. Uh,
3: I wouldn't say they're average. They're already
1: good they, players. I think they were average under Emery and past Arsenal managers, but especially Maitland-Niles, who I was thinking he doesn't belong at Arsenal, and now he does... But yeah. He's also got in some starters, he's got stars. he got Aubameyang, obviously. And stars as well has changed. And they're getting but I just think, for me, the moment Arsenal are kind of look like a more complete team, whereas think man knew they started the bubble, restart, I can't say in bubble because I'm watching the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> started the, after lockdown and stuff really well, but they fell off a cliff. Like five games to go, and then carried on in Europa League. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's fatigue, but fatigue maybe hasn't passed. They've only had like three, four weeks off.
3: Yeah, yeah. I've only signed
2: one player as well, uh, Van der Beek.
3: Yeah, so he's not like, coming it's to the sign. first team.
2: I, I think I've, as for like eleven players on the pitch, I think United can go toe to toe with anybody. But I think that is it. There is eleven players, and I don't think there's that much. Off the bench, if anybody yeah. gets an injury, I mean, if any of the front three get injured, you're talking Jesse Lingard, gallo, Daniel James coming in. If the the midfield does have a bit of depth to it now, but even with the defence, we saw as soon as Luke Shaw got injured, Brandon Williams just wasn't quite there and made some costly mistakes towards the end. So I think I think this summer transfer business is going to cost Man United massively I if they don't recruit more.
1: I wonder if the Maguire stuff uh, kind of looms over the club a little bit. Sometimes that can happen with a kind of big incident, can of maybe not affect. The club, but it'll affect Maguire, which then indirectly affects the club. Yes, yeah, as himself. as club captain as well, because of course. If Maguire will be all okay, kind of, sometimes he's a bit poor, turns like a double-decker bus. <laughs> but he's still a good centre-back. He's still important for Manu, and he's still their captain. So if he's not up to speed, it could be quite bad for United.
0: I
2: think, I think Same with Greenwood oh, as sorry. well. In terms of sorry, just in things that have happened out mm-hmm. with football, Mason Greenwood potentially as well. Oh, of course, yeah. Who's now mm-hmm. who's basically the first choice right winger at the moment as well.
0: I think yeah, absolutely. There are just some outstanding circumstances that could lead to United having a bit of a a bit of a poorer season than they initially thought. And I think just the way that you and I both, Graham, have been really speaking quite positively about Arsenal and about Arteta just the last week, I probably would uh, give them the nod to get fourth. And I'm going to stick my neck out and say Chelsea get third, and I yes. think I I hope that's the case because as we'll come to a bit later, I think there could be a job up for grabs if Chelsea don't get uh, that third position come the end of the season. So I think we're we're all quite comfortably agreed, setting Liverpool batting it out for the title, Chelsea in third with either United or Arsenal in fourth. Uh, of course, the top end of the table it doesn't just promise Champions League football. Teams out with the top four have the chance of playing in Europe through both the Europa League and, as of next season, the European Conference League, also known as the Europa League 2. Uh, two places are up for grabs in the Europa League, while the Conference offers the Premier League one place, meaning the 7th place is actually a real goal for some teams in the league. Struin, who do we reckon is going to get into these lesser European places? I mean, it's either going to be Arsenal or United in 5th, but what about 6th and 7th who will be back into round out the European contingent in England this season?
2: Yeah, as you say, like Arsenal United will be the fifth. I've, I've gone for Tottenham to be sixth. I've gone back to the, to the traditional top mm-hmm. six to be in the top six, I think. <clears throat> I agree, I don't think Mourinho's necessarily the right appointment in some ways. It may even be seen as a step backwards, but I do think he'll get that team up to sixth um, with some new recruitment as well. I think they did look a lot better towards the end of the season than initially, so I, I think I would have Tottenham there. and. There is a team who I wanted to put in here, but I think somebody else may talk about them as a bit of an outside shout. So I'll, I'll change over and I'm going to say Everton. I think might it, it, it's risky to kind of leave out Leicester and Wolves given the season that they've had. but and I, I still don't know if Everton are quite capable, but I'll, I'll put them in as a wee outside shout. I think with a manager like Ancelotti, they, they surely will do better than last season. They've recruited... Some some decent players. I think Dukuri is probably the best signing so far. I'm not, I'm not convinced by Allen and hammers Rodriguez at the moment, but I think they're also looking into Wilfred Zaha and uh, Fikayo Tamori of Chelsea are on loan. So I think there, there could be some movement there. And I think if everything goes to plan, I think they will push for that conference position definitely this season.
0: Graham, what about yourself? We've had some conversation about everything in the past couple of days and whether their signers are really going to be up to standard and really have a massive change in that team. Do, do we see something like that happening, like everything sneaking a 7th or would you back someone else to get there? Uh,
1: I don't see it with everything, I think they have improved the midfield but I think there's still some gaps in the squad, centre-back, goalkeeper, <coughs> main striker, not sure, coming to a Calvert-Lewin, yeah, I guess just maybe a, a purple patch for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm with show on the first two, I think it'll be Man U or whoever, like, just whoever you didn't pick for the top four will be an easy 5th. An unsatisfying sixth for Spurs, where they'll be comfortably in sixth, they won't really threaten the top four much, but they won't be in danger of losing seventh. In the seventh, and they'll play some quite boring defensive football at times, mm-hmm. which I we'll think at the end of the season we'll be definitely talking about Josie's job. But uh, for 7th, I'm going to go for an outside bet here. I think there's a good chance that Southampton, another team that we've talked about. I love that. That's what I was going to say and I thought we'd be talked about. All week, all week we've been bigging up Southampton and Arsenal. And I'm going to put my money where my mouth is predicting it. Arsenal in the top four and I think Southampton's squad is going to get them 7th place in the league table this That's season. That's good. They have... So, just, I don't really know what to say about I them know, them. we've not talked been, about the squad that much, haven't have we? A fantastic squad. I think a manager that... It's improved mm-hmm. in these two see, it was a good when they came in, it's improved in the two seasons since the start finished the season well. They've sort of recruited well with the right back in the center half. Goalkeeper competition strong. McCarthy looked sloppy, but can I have Fraser Forster if that happens. Mm-hmm. Everything they've done in the summer has been Successful. Good. yeah. Or summer it's not even the summer. Everything they've done since the break has been good. If they can just fix the home form, that's the only concern, and I think that's not a huge ask. Then I think they've got. to finish seventh.
0: You know what? You know what, I'm proud. I'm proud of you for that explanation, because you didn't mention that infamous night at all. And oh, if it, Did we talk
1: about the nine nil game?
0: Yeah, that nine nil game. Yeah, that oh, one that 9-0. never comes up at all. Uh,
1: maybe if they predict them to it, finish ninth. I have mean said about
0: the nine nil game. Wait, I think I do have them down in ninth in, in, my, in my in my in my league <laughs> table, which. Uh, <laughs> I I didn't mean it. I'm so I'm sorry. Uh, Ralph what about yourself? Are Are you of a similar mind, or would you back someone else?
3: You know, I am of similar mind. and I couldn't. I could never articulate as well as Graham's just articulated it. But I think he's right. I think Southampton could be sort of a surprise package and do really well. I don't think Spurs will do that well. If I'm being honest with you, because mm. I look at their squads, and aside from Son and Kane, I don't see any consistently top performers in there. But yeah, I'm not sure. I think I think Everton, also will also be up there, and Wolves. Yeah, I'd say yeah. Oh, Arsenal, and United, whoever doesn't get fourth will be fifth, and then I think Wolves could finish sixth.
0: You know, you've actually taken the words right out of my mouth because uh, that's what I predicted. I predicted Wolves to get sixth and Spurs to get seventh. Yeah. And to be honest, I'm not really sure why I've put that down. I'm, I don't really have a in-depth explanation. I just feel that Wills have been consistently building uh, throughout the past couple of seasons, building to a point where they really can challenge the top six and break up that mould, as Leicester did last year. Yeah. Um, And I, and I can see them getting, getting it over Spurs because Spurs, they've brought in Premier League experience, absolutely brought Doherty from Wills, of course, Hoiberg uh, from Southampton, and Joe Hart as a backup to Hugo Lloris. But... I just can't see any of those they're they're all more Mourinho players, I'll absolutely say that. But I feel I've said it already, I feel Doherty's gonna be restricted in a Mourinho side. Yeah. Um he's not gonna be able to bomb down the right hand side as much as he did at Wolves. Um Heubier, he's I've never really been too impressed by him. I've I've never really kind of made much notice of him when Southampton have played. And Joe Hart is just a bit of a bomb scared at the best of things now, that's that's where his career has unfortunately fallen. So, Wolves as well, they've not recruited fantastically I want to say, they've made a few kind of signings for the future in their Portuguese kids that they've brought in and Marcel, the 31 year old defender from Leon coming in is probably a better signing than I gave credit for the other day but I don't know, if I, I, just, I just like Wolves, I think they're a good team to watch. Jimenez and Trioli, of course, are excellent together. So I, th- I think they can do enough. If they get a whole season out of the partnership that those two have formed towards the back end of the season there, I think I think they can make a real push for sixth and get it over Spurs.
2: I think they'll benefit a lot from not having European football this season. Oh, absolutely. Because I think yeah. last year their season lasted over a, full over a year, yeah. day a 5 five-day year. And I think quite often they probably prioritise that then the game of the weekend. So I think, because they usually do use basically 14 players all season. So I think that'll definitely benefit them going forward, I think. And it's it's quite interesting. Nobody said Leicester, isn't it? After they nearly
0: finished third last season. <laughs> yeah, nearly finished first, third and ended up sixth. No, fifth, sorry. Fifth, I meant to yeah. say.
1: We tipped Rodgers for the sack. So, it uh, sums up our attitude towards Leicester. If I could just kind of quickly push back on Spurs, and I'll put it down to finish sixth. I'm pretty sure they were fourth in the league table under Mourinho since he'd arrived. And that was without Harry Kane for months I don't know if you can really say what well, if they get a Philly for Harry Kane because it seems to be a yearly occurrence. You get some. <laughs> yeah, a there's a hamstring happening every January. But if he, but if he gets a but if he gets a full run, Spurs maybe are going to be better than we expect. I think it's solved one of their major issues in right back getting Doherty and maybe not quite, maybe not so bad for them. They're well, also
2: apparently mm-hmm. looking at uh, Milik from Napoli because as you said, if Kane gets injured, they just don't have. <clears throat> they don't to have a second striker. No.
1: Never done that. They've never got back, got a striker to back up Kane. I don't necessarily. Yeah, they've all they've, they've all attempted with like and Janssen. Yeah,
0: exactly. Work. But I suppose it's the point. What striker would want to come to the club when they know they're going to be second choice, regardless? Yeah. So I can understand the lack of recruitment in that area. Anyway. Uh, right. Well, we'll move on, and uh, of course, we're talking about successes in the Premier League today. And it takes some big players to propel their team into these highly sought-after European places. And with big players come big personalities. Some of the league's biggest personalities in recent years have blessed with some fantastic moments on the pitch, as well as bringing us some interesting hairstyles. That being said, interesting doesn't necessarily mean good. Raf, who currently has the worst trim in the league? Harvey Elliott. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> it's just terrible.
3: It's Scruffy. It's, it's For anyone who doesn't know, it's like a, a very messy, scruffy, like top knot, but he's got stuff like, sh- like shaved into the side of his head as oh. well.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> Graham? That is, you right? That That is a uh, Harvey Elliott's Instagram just done so that's a live reaction. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> did, did you forget what you look like? I'm, I'm
1: sorry I've made you look at it again. He's 17, he's just experimenting. Oh, we
0: I should don't. have done that. We should have done this with you yesterday with Ben White after Taylor's rant. <laughs> <laughs> Live reactions are like that. We should be doing that more. I know. Uh,
3: I know he's young, but it's just a terrible trim. If, if okay, if we're not allowed to do teenagers, then <laughs> I don't know. Never mind allowed
0: teenagers Ralph.
3: Come on, Grow <laughs> uh, uh, oh, no, okay. he's, he's a great player, but a hair is not not amazing. <laughs>
0: No, but it never has been.
3: No, I know. I don't I've, just mean the hairline. I just think the stuffy has stencil on the side.
0: Yeah, but you ch- you chuck Pogba into that equation as well, I suppose. Uh, with Pogba mainstream, have you have you got a shout for this one at all? Um, yeah, maybe maybe I'm being a bit harsh here, but I I, I
2: don't think Sadio Mane's trim is necessarily the oh. best. <laughs> it's, he was one the, of mine as well. The hairline isn't exactly they are generous, and this the random blonde <laughs> streak is just sort of. You just kind of draw. I think it just draws attention away from it. I don't know. I'm I'm probably being a bit harsh there because you can't really control a hairline. But I was also um, thinking of Harry Elliott as well. But yes. I'll, I'll go with Sadio Mane.
0: I mean, footballers probably have more control over their hairlines than most. I mean, they've got enough. They'll have enough money in the bank to be able to transplant. I mean, Wayne it. Rooney did get a hair transplant. He did. He did. Graham, I, I, I um, I'm hesitant to come to you for this one because you did say before we started recording you don't have an answer here.
1: Well, not for your question, Jack, but <laughs> as my fellow as my fellow co hosts Raf and Struan, have attacked my club <laughs> with two of my players. Attacked Sadio Mani whose hair's falling because of the stress of building up his village in Senegal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna pro- I'm gonna show you that one of my one of my team's players has a wonderful haircut and has changed his look. Mo Salah has ditched the afro, that was wonderful too. He's went for a short haircut and, oh boy, it's fantastic, Jack. He looks like a new man. He's gorgeous. A 10 out of 10 on the pitch and off pitch.
0: Come on. And I think I I do need to do a live reaction to this as well. Just. Oh, it is a new look for him, to be honest. That's a. Just. It's not a bad trim, no.
1: (laughs) Just something. Making those decisions in life to go from an afro to a short haircut—it's a I'd, big
3: choice. I'd like to just do an honourable mention and say that someone who historically has had awful haircuts, Hector Bellerin has sorted out and now is a decent trim. So well with done. that. Well done, Hector.
0: Please don't go back to the cornrows. <laughs> don't, go, don't never bring the cornrows back. That—that's a—that was a dark time. Uh, I, I'm I, my my show. I, I shed money as well as my kind of one down. But then, if we incorporate facial hair as well, then it's Handy Carroll. Quite simply, I mean, oh, I mean, on it's on the top, but he's got just that oh, square, a like, square under his bottom lip, just free. His chin is completely bare, but he's like almost molded the rest of his face like around it to bring attention to it. it. It's it's nothing short of horrific. So that coupled with the 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 top knot, which he's, I am what you expect? I, personally, the top knot, I'm not a fan, regardless of. Uh, if if it works or not but that's just me so yeah, he looks like a fisherman I can see it yeah, yeah. I can see it. a longshoreman
1: he looks like a Geordie Thor
0: <laughs> that, that's his nickname a, f- a thor date you might say oh. don't stop it <laughs> oh. I'm sorry it had dil- to be said delete dil- the audio <laughs> <laughs> delete the audio start again uh, we'll move on and we'll keep talking about how teams can manifest success in the league and one way in which teams have found glory is through player partnerships whether it's Didier Joglin and Frank Lampard banging in 20 goals over a season, or Rio Ferdinand and Nemanja Fittich blessing Alex Ferguson with an iron wall in United's defence, the league has seen some incredible player combinations over the years. Graham, which two players could we see benefiting from each other the best this season as the best partnership?
1: I'm going to go a little off, book it's not because I think if you look at stats, they don't really contribute to goals and assists to each other, but because it's a unique partnership. And I... I haven't talked with my team much this week, so it feels like I'm getting it all in today. Yeah. Uh uh-huh. Fullbacks have never had part. Fullbacks shouldn't have like unreal partnerships, but Andy Robertson and Trent Alexander Arnold do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that you should be drawn. Att- you should draw attention to because their partnership, particularly their both with each other, create so many goals for Liverpool. Looking at the City setting goal last year, Salah scored. Uh, I think there was a goal against Everton in the Merseyside Derby. Goal against Southampton. It just seems as though those two have a link up as fullbacks that no fullbacks in history have ever really had. Add to that kind of like things that they're both comfortable at corners, play, kind of switching at times. You've seen that quite a lot last yep, season. We have. Where Robertson ends up right back and turns left back, and it doesn't seem to really harm either of them. Mm. And I think it just like having a partnership so unique has been one of the key strengths of the Liverpool's team last season and in prior seasons to that which for me makes it stand out as the best player partnership in the league.
0: To be honest, I I do completely agree because they were down as one of my options as well. Uh, Had I not put down another option, I would have been uh, absolutely blurting out their praises, to be honest. They've been excellent for the last couple of seasons together and they really have just pushed themselves on into being world-class players and two of the best full-backs in the world. Uh, Struan, what about yourself? I mean, you've seen plenty of player partnerships as a United fan over the years, so who who would you say is going to be the best uh, combination in the league this season?
2: I think, I think this one's it's not obvious, but it kind of is Like in the sense I'm going to go for Ryan Fraser and Callum Wilson at Newcastle. We've seen it quite often at Bournemouth and I think, I think they fantastically worked well together, quite him and his Chowry-esque. And I think at Newcastle it's going to be very similar, the two of them together. Add St. Maximum on the other side. I think Newcastle have got one of the most exciting attacks in the Premier League now, to be honest. And I think those still just link up quite often. I think it'll be more so Fraser feeding Wilson. Wilson the goals, yeah. But I just, I just think they'll link up quite often this season as long as they can both stay fit. I think it'll be really entertaining. Uh,
0: you've, you've taken my other, you know, taken my other option out with that one. To be honest, I feel, I feel like it was, it's potentially been a bit obvious that option just because of all the attention it's got, the fact yeah. that they're back together. Uh, and Matt Ritchie, of, of course, yeah, and Matt Ritchie of Bournemouth. <laughs> the Bournemouth blood in Newcastle. um no, I think I think they have had history. have been able to supply each other well, and yeah, I think Newcastle are really going to benefit from their uh, partnership. Their link up this season and perhaps get a better finish than they're used to. Uh, Raph, what about yourself? Who are you backing for this one? You've stolen mine, monster the, the, the exact same. Thing. I'm sorry, guys. The the fact they link up so well for,
3: without you know being horrible, uh, not not great teams. Uh, they they uh, they create so many goals together. They didn't. Uh, they'll do they'll do a great job for Newcastle, I think. But uh, Wilson and Fraser are an
0: amazing partnership. Well, considering considering that mine's been both of mine have been snatched, I'll give a nod to uh, Jimenez and Traore again. They, we really started to see the the real makings and the real uh, highlights of our partnership towards kind of mid to eight, mid to late last season, and if. If uh, Nuno can really push them on and have a full season worth of that, th- I think that would be the reason that I've I've tipped them to finish sixth ahead of Spurs because if what one full season with that partnership could be really deadly, and I think it aids to the fact that I was also kind of chucking Jimenez's name into the top scorer, on uh, the top scoring charts as well. So yeah, I th- I think it's going to be really interesting and really exciting to see them play together as it was last year, and hopefully we'll have a longer period of it than we did last season. Uh, we'll move away just now um, oh sorry, sorry I've skipped ahead to a question, uh, we'll keep on the current trend of success and we'll talk about another partnership that's, uh, that really came to fruition last season <laughs> uh, there's always an element of luck in every uh, trophy win, be it um, just poor performances from players, uh, teams around uh, the title chase are slipping up really luck is ever present in the Premier League one team has felt that luck particularly well last season uh, with the greatest partnership of the league last season becoming uh, apparent in Bruno Fernandes and the penalty spot <laughs> as United were awarded 14 penalties in the league and 22 across all competitions. Struan, how many are we expecting to get this season?
2: One over 10.
0: <laughs> across all competitions? I was going to say Across in the all league.
2: competitions, probably about five more under that, but I think I think 10 in the league is probably... Probably fair.
0: I don't why, think, why do you think that's fair? Liverpool only get five.
2: Well, I just think such a attacking, fluid, quick front three, probably the quickest in the Premier League, it's so hard to keep track of. You just have to bring them down sometimes. You let any of them have a shot on goal, you might as well just forfeit the match at that point. Of course, it was the first season of VAR as well, which meant every decision was probably more likely to be correct. Um, sorry, I'm just getting a bit too defensive now, aren't I? Uh, no, I, I think the penalties last season were, were just crazy how how often they came about and it, it just almost became comical but then, I, I, I'm probably rose-tinted spectacles but looking across them, they were all there was a, there was a few very dodgy ones especially the Aston Villa one but I think quite often they were probably penalties but I'll go, I'll go with 10 this season
0: 10 this season uh, any, Anyone got an advance on 10? How in all competitions, 17 I, I can see it in the flames <laughs> in the flames, he's eating the crystal ball. Graham, what are what are you saying?
1: Let's crunch some numbers. 14 penalties <laughs> last 14 penalties last season in the Premier League. Two of them weren't penalties, which makes you think that maybe Man United are just good at drawing penalties. Struan might be he was defensive, but he might be onto something. Potentially. Anthony Martial with rapid feet, especially, gets filled a lot in the box. I don't think it's actually going to come down as much. I do, although I do kind of wonder if there'll be kind of a reaction from referees or resistance to man new penalties because it became such a meme.
2: I've I'm, I'm sort <laughs> of wondered if they're going to be playing in their minds for something. If there's, if giving there's the one
1: that goes down, it looks easy. There's, there's no chance it'll be given because mm. of my new penalties, lol. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Bruno Penandes. So actually, I'm going, to, get out the call. <laughs> I'm
1: going to drop it from 14 to 11, Just not 11. A, I think they're still, still going to be good at winning penalties but I think there might be a little bit of a counter reaction from referees, maybe not consciously that makes them go down a bit and I think kind of the luck of the draw they are not likely to have the same amount of penalties a record breaking number twice in a row I think
2: quite often as well last season the, re- the on field referee was was sometimes hesitant and then on-, on VAR a few of them were given that way but I think penalties always look worse on VAR because you can't really see the contact in proper speed and anytime you kind of see contact on VR, it just looks like, oh, it's a foul type situation.
0: Mm. Well, I think it's going to go one of two ways. They'll either get 30 in all competitions or they'll get 10 in all competitions. It's, it's going to go one of the two ways. Or 17.
1: <laughs> you're,
0: stand, you're, you're going to stand on that hill till you die, aren't you? I, I think it's going to
1: happen. If only Jamie was here, he could give you odds on the man, you get 17 penalties. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Somebody text him. Somebody text him when he's out golfing. He might get odds <laughs> might get odds on it by the time the, uh, the podcast right. finishes.
1: Our, our John, Mc- our John God rest his soul. John. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. <Come> on, Winston. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're going before that devolves
0: into more just quotations from uh, film and TV. We're going to move away from the real leagues, the real league success, into fantasy league success. Uh, If you're unaware, the four of us are all involved with MG's fantasy football show, the Fantasy Ramble, and have all become incredibly competitive with one another in our mini-league that started last season. Over the last week, we've all been tinkering and toying and reshaping our teams before the start of this season, with everyone trying to find the next John Lundstrom or Martin Kelly. That is to say, a value-for-money pick. Graham, as the winner of our personal league from last season, I'll come to you first. The what? As the winner (laughs) of our personal league last season, uh, I'm going to come to you first here. Who is replacing Lord Lundstrom as the best value for money player this season?
1: It's got to be a player that you don't really know as well, name wise. There are players that are kind of four and a half million past seasons that have been uh, kind of Lundstrom candidates. I'm going to go for a uh, Southampton centre-back for Southampton Mohamed hmm mm-hmm. new signing over the summer big money signing 10 million I think not big money at all <laughs> but I think with my improved Southampton team going with Southampton players would be a smart move and at 21 years old coming over from Valadoid pretty apparently had a fantastic season can't say I watched too much Valadoid nor did I I think he'll fit right into that Southampton defence and at 4.5 million and 0.1% Owned. Wow. I think zero point four percent. Sorry, I'm a I'm a fraud. Got, got, got up,
0: 03 up in the last second. <laughs> just just <laughs> after his <laughs> endorsement.
1: Okay, uh, uh, Salisu will be the John Lundstrom value fantasy pick of the season.
0: It's a very good shout. It's a very good. I, I know struan has been advocating for Salisu for the longest time. He's a good player. Would you Would you like to offer a name, Struan I uh, I. Funnily enough, had Salisu
2: is one of the one of the three ones down here. I, I also oh, had right. Ward Prowse. But I think, as as Graham said, it, it shouldn't be that known. And I think he is quite well known, even at 6 million. So I've gone for Anthony Gordon of Everton. I think towards okay. the end, I think he was probably Everton's best player, in my opinion, post-lockdown. I think he's, he's quite versatile. I think he can play across anywhere in that midfield front four. And it looked like Ancelotti was showing faith in him over the likes of more talented – well, not more talented, but more experienced players like Iwobi and Bernard and even Gilfie Sigurdsson at times. And for only 4.5 million, I think the position he's going to play and he could potentially pop up with some goals for Everton – in the more advanced areas and I th- as I, I said earlier I think Everton will have a, a better season not necessarily a good one but I think from their standards recently I think it'll be a better season and for only four and a half million you know, it's, the, it's the cheapest you can buy a midfielder for I think even if he's just going to sit on your bench you could get some points from somewhere
0: Yeah, very true so. uh, Raph, what, what would you say to this one?
3: Imagine, if you would there's one of the <laughs> best playmakers in Premier League history and you could get him for seven million and the reason he's that low is because he's had a dicey last two seasons. You're not going to name he's, the man, I he's, think he's, you're going to but, name but he's, him. But he's coming up to the last year in his contract, and I've heard rumours that there might be one last dance uh, in it for him. I'm, I'm talking about-, about Mesut Ozil. <laughs> I'm talking about Mesut Ozil, for 7 million. I'm talking about Mesut Ozil, one of the best playmakers of the last 20 years, for 7 million. Stop laughing at me. This isn't a joke. This is real life. <laughs> Mes- Mesut Özil getting regular game time for seven million. And, oh, you know.
0: There's no guarantee He going to get regular game it's, time.
3: It's risky, Jack. I'm not saying it's not a risk, but it's a risk you should take. <laughs> Shy Burn's getting outmates.
1: Hello, Raf. You can wake up now.
3: <laughs> you you can laugh now, but you'll see. No, I, respect <laughs> he, it. I respect it. He played his first game in like for eight months against Aston Villa during a friendly uh, like last week. If he gets some game time. And if he if he's actually motivated to do well with you know a Aubameyang in front of him, he can get some assists. Stop, stop laughing! i can still here. Can you stop <laughs> Like it's not it's not funny. This isn't a joke. This is real life.
1: It was all I'll plant
0: a tree for every assist Ozil gets in the Premier League this season. <laughs> right, that's that, that that's that's on that's been recorded. So we so They laughed, laughed at Jesus. Oh my god! Right, you you have <laughs> said that. <laughs> you, you've you, you've just wow. Someone milked
1: me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, I'm gonna move, I'm gonna give you my picks before we fall further down the Mes Ozil rabbit hole here.
1: You didn't, you
0: didn't have Ozil. No. Oh no. funnily enough. Um, I didn't have, i kind of forgotten that he'd existed, to be honest. You'll see. Uh, I also had um, a Southampton defender in my batch of three in Kyle Walker-Peters. I think he stood out quite a lot for Southampton towards the end of their season, as a lot of players did, and I think that them securing him on a permanent deal from Spurs in the summer was a really smart bit of business. Uh, He's a a fullback that's very attacking, which we love to see in fantasy. There's more chance of assists and maybe goals in there uh, 4.5 million as Salisu so it just depends on what we what we believe in is more likely and Walker-Peters bombing down the wing to chip a ball in for Ings or Salisu dominating in the air from a corner and getting a headed goal every now and then also in the same vein I had Jamal Lewis the new signing at Newcastle I think he's going to start for them week in week out 4.5 million again uh, and Newcastle have a fairly comfortable run for a few weeks they're starting with West Ham going on and playing Brighton and then Spurs at the end of September. So it's two winnable games and then Spurs, but we know how Newcastle tend to play against Spurs when the when all the chips are down. So and the the final player I'd had but he's in he's in my team just now. And I feel like he might come out eventually. It's Keenan Davis of Aston Villa. Uh the only reason he's in there just now is so I've got a little bit of money left in my budget for moves down later down the line. And he played a bit towards the end of last season and looked fairly good. So the the signing of Ollie Watkins does complicate that a bit. But if we see him get some game time at four point five million there's not a bad substitute option for a striker if you are struggling for one. But I I'd think like to go, I'd like to go on record and say you're all cowards. i so so you're gonna tell me, like, so you're back and we'll is he in your team right now? No, he isn't. Exactly. This, this is, well, there you go. This, this is a risk, right? And I am a coward as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think that that is the thing. It's like, would would you back your player enough to put him in your team? I wouldn't do it at the very start. I'd do it after a few game weeks if he gets some game time. If he actually plays, okay. Yeah. I, the,
1: uh, I admire the confidence of.
3: We're not flush for attacking midfielders right now, mate. Right? We don't have any.
0: We have like Joe Willock, and that's it. Fair enough. I'll I'll give you that. Uh, we'll, flip, we'll flip the coin and look at the opposite side to the players that are not anywhere near their true value and would be a waste of money if you were to bring them into your squad Struan who would you say is the most overpriced player in FPL this season? I've got two written down and I'm really sorry to say
2: one of them is Mesut Ozil. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have a fight like this so, I'll, I'll say my other option in, um, in Tammy Abraham now, oh yeah no. Oh. I don't mean that in the sense that he's bad or is is not going to perform. I just I just simply don't think he's going to get much game time in the Premier League with Timo Werner. And I think even Olivier Giroud will be ahead of him. And for seven and a half million in fantasy, I think there's I think there's so many better strikers who you could get. Even even in the lower down, um, throughout the table, like I've mentioned earlier on, players like Callum Wilson are definitely up there. You know, mm-hmm. players like Jordan Ayu, perhaps Che Adams, um, Wood Mopey. Even even um, Ollie McBurney, of chef of United, I just think all those strikers probably have more of a chance to play. And not that they're better players than Tammy Abraham, just I just don't think he's going to get much game time at all yeah. at Chelsea, and I, and I think mm-hmm. he kind of lacks that versatility that other strikers have, like a could maybe play off either wing, in which in like in which case you know maybe you could see that, but I just think Tammy Abraham is very much a central striker
0: i i I can see that i I do agree that Tam Abraham's game time is probably going to be more limited uh this season, especially with Giroud ending the season how he did, and Werner obviously coming in for just under 50 million he's going to be the main man up front uh Raph, would you like to uh throw throw some throw a name in here just I'd, I'd that would say perhaps you. as your other pick?
3: Yeah, you're 50% spot on Struan. I mean, you've embarrassed yourself with that Ozil claim, but uh, you're right about Tammy. Because, I mean, me and you, Jack, were talking about this yesterday. We were. He doesn't, he's not, even though he's quite tall, he's not a better target man than Drew. Like, far from it. And he's not going to start over Werner. So I do think for 7.5, you could easily get a better player in. As far as other players go, again, not Ozil. But... (laughs) Uh, Firmino wasn't great last season, so nine point five is still quite high for him. I think. Bad
1: for Firmino, down too From,
3: yeah. yeah, that's as that I Nine, nine, right nine on, goals but... and nine assists for nine point five is not, especially with the plays that he plays with. I
1: think he was still the like, fifth highest forward in
3: the like... oh, oh, he's not a bad player at all. No, no, like purely on returns. 7th Seventh.
0: Seventh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, for yeah, nine
1: yeah, point five mil, you can in get. Seventh and just like yeah, you could get others. All cost less and all got more points. Mhm,
0: definitely. Graham, who would Firmino be your shout or is there somebody else that you would want yeah, to I say?
1: Think, uh, Firmino, I think for Firmino, kind of since I've put like retaining, that would rely on Firmino to be as good as he can be. I found William at eight million quite a strange Agreed. one.
0: Agreed. Yeah, I'm. I'm with you there.
1: So there's so much competition for that. In the Arsenal like think better. I think Pepe's better. I thought William was brought in as a kind of more as a depth option with all yeah. ridiculous stupid wages. Mm. Not a fan of that saying. If no. You can tell, uh, but I think eight million. I think it'd be a mistake to pick up William, and I think it's a mistake for Arsenal to play him. Mhm. Uh, I saw one other one that I forgot. Uh, Jordan Tchekiri, six and a half million. That man, <laughs> that man. That's not like the huge price. But that man will not play. He'll play like three substitute appearances. Liverpool this season. And uh,
0: Lacazette's eight and a half million. Lacazette yeah. is dog meat. Yeah, I, 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 was thinking Lacazette and Willian as well. To be honest, your Shakiri point is well made. Um, I don't know how well this is going to go down, but I think for the price of them, it's still quite pricey. I'm not, I'm potentially not saying these the almost over, overpriced. I know he is overpriced in the sense that he should be cheaper. It's Mason <laughs> Greenwood, at seven point five million. It could be a bargain. It's it's a lot of money for a midfielder, though. When when I I suppose it's kind of middle of the ground, but at the same time, considering what he was last season, to have like a three and a half million increase in the space of a season is a bit ridiculous. I I think I think coming because he's going to be in the
2: midfield in the same sense that like Aubameyang is in the midfield. They're really going to play as forwards. So I think that's maybe thinking it, because I think you can get clean sheet points as well if you're midfield. You get
0: you get one clean sheet point, but at the same time, a Aubame- a would still cost twelve million as a striker. Whereas, would would you really say Greenwood's a seven and a half million pound striker?
2: i a £100 million striker. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's another <laughs> story. <laughs> I think, I think based, based on recruitment, I think he's going to be in the num- number one for the right wing or potentially even the left wing. A lot of people actually even say that if United were to sign somebody like a Bale or a Sancho, it'd actually be Rashford who goes up first. Really? Based on current form. Yeah, just because a lot of people thought towards the end of the season he, he'd really slowed up. I think he's still having injury troubles and I think yeah. people just mm. want to see Mason Greenwood play more than anything. But I do agree, seven and a half million is quite quite steep for an 18-year-old more than anything.
1: That's not the man you play, I'd go for. I think Pob by eight million is going to kind of weird. Pob was going to
2: sit. Pob was very good, but I don't part. think he's going to get goal
0: contributions.
1: Mm-hmm. He might get some assists, but it might also be more hockey assists, kind of like pass to the person that gets the assist.
0: Yeah, aye, I, I see what you mean. It's not going to bang
1: for bang goals yeah. then.
3: One goal, four assists last season, eight million. Not great. I mean, even Willian did better than that. Willian, by the way, got the same. Willian got the same number of goals and assists as Firmino. <laughs> so that's that's typical for Firmino's season last season. Now so forget, give it to Willian all you want, but if you're going to give it to Willian, give it to Firmino as well. I did. I did. Yeah, I know you did. I'll give it. To, I'll
0: give it to them both, to be honest. Yeah. Like. I'll, I'll happily say I, I just wanted to make the point about Greenwood there but I think I would happily settle on both Firmino and Wait, Willian
1: one more uh, any Man City player because Pep's, Pep's a loser and changes his team every week
0: again. <laughs> that's <true. laughs> it's a very fair point actually the only real safe bet is Ederson in that yeah. team
2: yeah but, Isn't but that? Even no, not not a risk. No, the no. best midfielder in the league doesn't guarantee to start every game, even when he's about to break the assist. <coughs> that record, was a thing. What three 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 three. <laughs> was six, six one.
0: He was sat on twenty assists for the last three games, and Pet dropped him. <laughs> Why? You, you're not you're not winning the league. You're not losing second. Let the boy go and get his record.
2: Guardiola <laughs> just has too much respect for Thierry Henry and didn't want him to break his record.
0: <laughs> Shocking. Makes me sick. It does. I, I agree with you. Uh, we're going to round out today's show, funnily enough, moving on to talk about Man City, as I want to discuss the future surrounding two of the league's managers, both of whom are not 100% secure in their position. Start with last season's runner-up in Pep Guardiola, as there's been rumours of an exit for a couple of seasons now, especially with the Champions League ban seemingly spelling an end for Pep. Since that ban was overturned, it now seems more likely it'll stay in Manchester for at least another season, but if he doesn't get his hands on that elusive trophy this season, could we see him moving on? Once this season comes to a close, Raf, what do we think? Uh, I think
3: he is at the point now where he spent so much money. It's almost as if it is sort of do or die now. You can always sign more players, but I think this season will be the sort of I, hate, I keep saying last dance because I love it. But like, and you've made a lot of reference to of, that today. <laughs> I know, but I just—it's a great show. But uh, I think he'll realise that with like, some of his best players like Aguero, De Bruyne, not getting old, old, but that you know. They're in their prime now, and they're not going to get much better than they are now. If they can't do it this season, then why stick around when you could probably move on to like a I don't know a PSG or something like that? It'd take them to do it.
0: Yeah, I think I think it is just kind of that trying to make sure that he can go on and get like a new project potentially. Yeah. Uh, but Graham, what what do you think as as your manager's closest rival? Do we reckon we can see the last of him?
1: He gone.
0: <laughs> he, gone.
1: he gone. He gone. Ah, he gone. If there's just like a number of ways in which this season ends for City, and I guess don't say anymore if Pep doesn't leave. The leagues, they've won two leagues, they've won them, they got 100 points, the league's not satisfied anymore, so it's all about the Champions League for them, mm-hmm. and if they win it, because have won everything, so you can go, if they don't win it, you can just dip like you did at Bayern Munich. Yeah. You can just, the squad's getting older, I think Raf's kind of, or English uh, think, think Ralf was Ralf, I the squad's getting a bit older, Aguero might go soon kind of relying on Sterling and Jesus, who I think are great, fantastic players, but they aren't the focal points. Mm. Just, I don't see where Pep takes City after this season.
0: Yeah, it does really just seem to be winding down, doesn't it? It's uh, the kind of spell of an end. Struan, are you of the same mind? Do you think he's gone?
2: I, I think so. I think I think this is officially the last year of his current contract as well. I think the whole Messi situation may have been an extension if that could have happened. But I think with that not going through, I'm not sure. I think, as as Graham's pointed out, I don't think there's much more could do. I think Man City brought him in to win the Champions League. You know, the team that they have, the money any manager could win the league with. And we saw Mancini do it. We saw Pellegrini do it. The reason they wanted Guardiola is to get that Champions League. And the amount of money is spent. And in my opinion, the best players... Under the Guardiola reign weren't his signings the likes of David Silva, De Bruyne, Sterling, Aguero, company, mm. Fernandinho were already at the club before he came, and I, I just don't know if there is that long term future regardless of the millions and millions and millions he spends. I mean, there's always the potential they could get messy next season, but I, I don't know if a 34 year old, even though it's messy, I don't know if that'd be enough to convince him to stay. Yeah, and I, I think as Graham said, no matter what happens, you know, they they could win the Champions League and then he'd go out a hero or. Did, did lose the Champions League again, and it would just be okay. I've, I've done everything I can with this Man City team. It's time to move on to know, like Juventus or PSG or something like that.
0: I, th- I, yeah, I think yeah, no, I, yeah, I do agree with you. I think it's I, really, really kind of spelling an end for. Pep. Sorry, keep interrupting me there. I was, I was, I was just
2: going to say, I think, I think if anything, as well, the last season was quite a regression in that Manchester City team compared to the previous two seasons. I think, in a sense, they've almost gotten worse, which I think is not great. Declining under a manager, I think. Hopefully this season for them, they can pick it back up. But again, if they they walk away with I mean, saying only a League Cup as if it's a bad season. But I think for, mm. for the quality of that team, I do believe only getting a League Cup and second in the league is not what they should be going after.
0: I think for the stature of the Man City as a club as well, second in a League Cup is really not a good season, just considering how used, used they've been. And to... This is their golden era as well. Exactly, board. yeah. They're, go- they're really going through the kind of best years that the club has ever seen under one of the best managers in world football and they're still struggling against Norwich, against Wolves and even like they can't really get lost both
2: Manchester Derbies as well, which is they quite did. significant, I think.
0: You just wanted to chuck that in there as a United fan, didn't you? They can't even get the semi-finals of the Champions League. It's it's it really is just a bit shameful in all honesty. And I think Pep has really been feeling the stress ever since he's come to England about trying to get those consistent performances so I don't think he'll renew his contract. I think he can win the Champions League and then just move on to a new project or he doesn't and he goes regardless. So I think that we we should appreciate him while he's here, Pep Guardiola, and be infuriated by his um, team selection more often than not because we might not see it again for a while. Uh, Finally, we'll move on to last season's fourth place manager, my very own Frank Lampard. As we all know, Lampard has very much enjoyed waving Abramovich's chequebook around this window, spending over £200 million on player recruitment. While this was necessary in order to improve the squad and be able to uh, cut the gap between Chelsea and the title challengers in City and Liverpool, it really does put massive pressure on Lampard's shoulders to perform. Many, many in the media are claiming that the Blues really should be mounting a title challenge this season, while some are anticipating a bit of an uncertain period in which the players will have to gel and Chelsea should be targeting top four. We are be- we are quite, well, I certainly been of am of the idea, I couldn't speak for a second, I'm of the idea that if Lampard gets any less than third, he will be out the door. Graham, do you agree? Yes, I
1: agree with you, Jack. You can't spend £223 million to try and buy a league title and finish fourth in that league title race. It's Temple. simple.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think Lampard
1: yeah, was good last season, but no pressure around them. Uh, yeah, sorry. Lampard was good last season with nobody there, no pressure on young players to build. But there there's all this pressure, and there were there were absolutely gaps in Lampard's managerial and tactical philosophies last year, particularly set pieces. Yep. Uh, if you can't fix him, then he will be sacked, and he should rightly be sacked.
0: Struan, what do you make of that? I've I've literally just written
2: down the words he should be. I think I think at a club like <laughs> Chelsea, I, I don't think if that was if that was. I mean, Antonio Conte won the FA Cup and got sacked. Sarri got the um, European League and finished third, got sacked. Lampard spent two hundred million pounds. I think I think at other clubs that maybe the manager may have a bit of a chance, but I think at Chelsea, I think you can you can't spend that kind of money. Even though he is Frank Lampard, I mean you'd have to look like I said Conte and Sarri and think, well, why were they sacked and he's yeah. been given this opportunity. And as well as well with Graham said, I think there's still some question marks. I, I personally think the impact that somebody like Arteta's had at Arsenal has yeah. been far better, especially on the budget. And I think he's inherited, uh, no offence to Arsenal, but like a worse team. And I think if, if Chelsea are looking from their point of view at how well Arteta's done, they're probably thinking, mm, I don't know if, if Lampard is going to take us any further mm. forward, given I think I think with the recruitment, they've arguably got the best squads potentially in the league. Probably not quite there with Liverpool Man City, but I think definitely could be there one day.
0: Ralph what do you think? Do you think it's going to be a case of third or third or goal for Lampard? Not,
3: not only do I think it should be third or goal, I think it should be legitimate tile challenge or go. I really do. I think if you get 200 million uh, pounds worth of players and you can't put up a decent tile challenge then what's the point? Mm-hmm. And a point Lampard in the first place. I mean, no one, even you know, even you can't deny, it, it was mainly just the fact he was, he's a Chelsea legend, is why he got the job. Yeah. Uh-huh. He, he, you know, he took like, Derby from like seventh to eighth and then took Chelsea from like third to fourth. He's, And, and I think he's, got, he's, he's a good manager. But I think that he's almost been cursed with having this much money. Because when you spend that much money, you do have to perform. Yeah. And I think his project needed a good two or three years to really get to where it should be. Mm. But now it should be at that point when you spend that much if that makes sense. no definitely. Yeah, I think and I, and I think I don't think he's gonna put, up, put up a prototype challenge. I think he will end up going.
2: I, I think as when you see sort of like Chelsea signing players and you kinda of think, yeah, that's his signing, you almost wonder, you know, Kai Havertz in his career is probably gonna go through about three or four managers if if he's there for like seven, eight years or something like that mm-hmm. as well.
0: It is, it is the kind of unfortunate history of the club that's set before Lampard and that revolving door of managers and I feel like it, he really could be the next victim to be claimed by that if, if third isn't achieved uh, I, do I, think, to, I do think he, he will get third I, I, I oh th- yeah
3: but, but I don't think that's I mean it, it will be what he gets and it's not bad but I think simply getting third without at least challenging the top two mm-hmm. isn't good enough
2: I think you maybe want to throw in a trophy as well given the league cup yeah. the FA cup and the yeah. Champions League are all available
3: Well, I'm I'm
0: ruling out the Champions League right now because (laughs) if
3: if you finish third and then you don't get a trophy this season you count that as a good season no Uh,
1: no exactly uh, it's not really an improvement I think think that makes makes a good point about having the challenge for a title I think the only thing I can can return with that is if City sorry if Chelsea were a non-competitive third but by far the most entertaining team in the league that might get them a little bit, okay. a little bit I love it. might get Lampard a bit more time Yeah, look I agree with that. The if we could have to watch if we put this all together and we can fix the areas with, for the Lampard then we ought. But Because like, that's what Saris unknown was really we weren't the best team to watch.
0: No. Yeah. Uh, I, I
3: don't I don't I, I don't mean to sound biased because obviously I'm an Arsenal fan, but I think Lampard we're not Lampard, Arteta is a rival at Arsenal has put a bit of pressure on Lampard.
0: No, but, I agree with that, 100%. Yeah,
3: yeah. Even though, he, obviously, he finished hiring the league and all that, but it's it makes you think that if he can improve a team that much, regressing from third to fourth isn't. Yeah. You know
0: what I mean? I think, I think he came in with just a bit of a negative stigma around the club already, and he was basically tasked with, look... We can't sign players until next summer. Come in now, use the youth. Once we get next summer, use our money to plug all the gaps because we know it's going to be a ropey season for a lot of areas. And then once you've spent that money, get us third or nothing else. It's He's a victim of his own kind of appointment almost, not even his, his own success because he's not had fantastic success at the club as a manager yet. He's a victim of the own appointment. Because he couldn't spend, when he came in, he promoted young players who, if we're being honest, performed above the expectation a lot of the time. Uh But then he caused a lot of players, a lot of fans rather, because he had that initial good start where he went on like a seven-game winning streak in October uh, to demand more than was expected of those players and that manager. And a lot of people just saw a real regression in the performances because they were believing so much that they would produce more and i think that once people and lampard rightly identified the areas that were weakest and he was aware of the fact that a left back like marcus alonso and emerson were not good enough and he needed to bring someone else in that would be better and would be a guaranteed starter spent 45 million on ben chilwell and now that he spent that money he instantly needs to be a hit or it's got another or it's another failure for him and I think that is just one of the trappings of modern football, in the sense that yeah. a new signing must hit the ground running within the first ten games, otherwise, it' a failure.
3: It's I also from, really unfortunate for some of the like the youth players, like Tammy Abraham, Hudson Odoi, Mount, because unless they really step up their game, I think they'll have to leave the club in the next few seasons to get the game time that their ability deserves. Mm-hmm.
2: I think from a lot of like neutrals looking at Chelsea last season, it was always oh, great to see youth getting a chance. You know, it was really good of Frank Lampard. You know, he's He's not um, using the, the, the old team. He's, he's given youth a chance. And now I think he's buying all these players and sort of replacing them. I think youth will still get a lot of game time, especially Mason Mount. Agreed, Chris James, yeah. I do think a lot of people who are quite neutral to the Premier League would have liked that are now saying, oh, okay, so same old, same old Chelsea. There, there goes the youth again. But I think, I think that will be something Lampard will have to struggle with as well, is dealing with the criticism yeah. of now. He's just sort of all these youth players who... Effectively, um, got into fourth last season. He's now going to yeah. put a lot of them on
0: the bench, as I mentioned, Abraham earlier on. Well, I suppose we're just going to need to wait and see what happens. But I, I, I just don't really want to see his relationship with the club and the fans tainted as, as a, as a man because he, because of his managerial uh, reign. I think he, 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 he really does deserve the respect of everyone involved in involved with the club. Do you, and do you if, think there's,
3: sorry, do you think there's a chance he could get sacked before the end of the season
0: if you are in like. Yeah. sixth place or something. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't. I don't contest that it could happen a lot earlier than yeah. early in the season. If it does, if the team doesn't sit uh, settle in well and we're really struggling, it could be a uh, Mourinho in twenty fifteen uh twenty fifteen sixteen season where he goes before Christmas. To show, as I say, and again, yeah. And I don't. I don't want him to, and I don't think he will. But time will tell. I suppose. So with that, a bit of a depressing end, but it brings an end to this episode and our Premier League season preview as a whole. It's been a lot of fun putting together these episodes over the last few days. Hopefully those listening have enjoyed it as much as we have. Speaking about it. If you're keen to hear our thoughts on the Premier League action throughout the season, we'll be bringing you regular updates through the Football Roundup, Extra Time and the Fantasy Ramble. So be sure to subscribe to all three podcast feeds in the Energy Podcast, Extra Time and the Ramble uh, on whichever platform you prefer. Make sure to follow us over on Twitter at ENRG Sport in order to keep up to date with all of our sports content from the upcoming season. Thank you to Raf and Struan for joining me today, to Jamie, Taylor, Cameron, and Sean for appearing earlier in the week. And a massive thank you to Graham for sticking it out for me and joining me every single day this week to get these episodes out. Uh, until next time, I'm Jack Donnelly. This has been another Energy Sport podcast. Thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next time.